Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Hey, Sean. What's going on? Not much, Meg. How are you doing today? Yeah, I am I am okay. It's been, um, been kind of a, a rough week or two, but... Um, I listened to some live music last night. That was awesome. We we got into we went down into Boston. Um, that was fun. Like I think I think my soul needed that. Like, and it was so loud that my ears are still ringing. You know, right it's was, yeah. this, was this the first time you went to a concert since pandemic? Since yeah, since pandemic, and it was also so we're in we're in downtown Boston. Yeah. And Bill's like, you should wear your boot. Okay. You know, cause I, for my leg. And I was like, I don't want to wear my boot. He's like, Meg, he's like, you're going to be walking on like cobblestones and, you know, and the club that we went to does have seating. That's why I bought these tickets because so drive by truckers and Lydia Loveless were playing in Boston. They were also playing in Burlington, Vermont. I opted for Boston because there was seating. Okay. And when we got there, it's, it was just all floor. Where'd and you I was guys like, go? Um, I'm forgetting that I'm just, I'm drawing a complete, oh, the Royale. So it's part of, it's one of the Bowery's clubs, I believe. Um, and it was great. I mean, it would have been great. I actually like those concerts best, mm-hmm. but you know, when it's, but I was like, how am I going to do this? So when we were watching Lydia, Bill's like, I'll be right back. And Bill left and he comes back with a chair. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to use this? I was like, I can't like sit on this in the middle of the floor. What are we going to do? And it like, this does not, you know, there was no moshing or anything, but I was like, it does not feel safe to be just sitting. And so we ended up moving to the side. So we were right, right to the stage. You know, I could have like I could have like, you know, thrown something and and hit the lead singers. I was I was so close, but we were able to just set up right on the barriers. So we had we had the chair there and I would just like sit when I needed to. And, you know, and then stand. It was fine. It was it was totally fine. And I got like this one drunk lady's like, look at you sitting up here. And I was like, I pointed (laughs) out my boot. I was like, yeah, I like kind of (laughs) necessary. So, so it was, it was a weird experience. I did a, you know, I was obviously standing a lot and I just, I think that that boot makes it worse. It's causing, it's just causing more pain, but in a crowd like that, it offers protection because people see my leg and know one while I'm walking slow and two, like, don't bump into me, you know, on top, on top of that, it's just like a solid plastic boot. So no one's stepping on you. Right. Like, even even if, even if the case that they do, you still have protection in the foot like i've yeah. been stepped on in plenty of crowds so i know how that goes mm-hmm. 
Um, I would not have gotten the chair. I just would have been like whatever and yep. just put myself in pain. So Bill was actually really smart because at first I was like, I don't, <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, but we, you know, we figured it out and, uh, and it worked out okay. And I got to say really smart decision on Bill's part. I would not have that. I would not have had that foresight to, um, I just would have so, dealt with it. So what was the deal? No mask and all that stuff. Pretty normal. Or was it like, yeah, no mask. I would say about a quarter of the people had masks on yep. and all the roadies were, were masked up. Um, but I noticed the people that had masks on, like they were drinking. So towards the end, it was like hanging off one ear and they're sipping their drink. And I kind of thought it sort of defe- defeats the purpose of your mask. Well, right? it's pretty, I mean, for the most part, it's probably pretty ineffective if not everybody's wearing a mask and you're not wearing like uh, N95 mask, right? Like in the big picture, some, were, like, some people, some people did have on the yeah. N95 and I was wondering like, maybe they have COVID or, you know, there, there could be a very good reason why no, they're, they're just, wearing it. But They're just from the city and like the, the city kind of scared everyone, I think in that regard, like we, mm-hmm. we have like, we have family members from the city that are like, that are still like kind of COVID very cautious in a weird way. When like, I went to like, New York city just a couple of weeks ago, they were still carding me. And when I say carding me, like I had to show my vaccination cards at yeah. the door to, to get in. Yeah. We're in like, and then you went to Maine and they don't care about anything. No, they, some people were wearing masks and, and they had a sign at the, at the restaurant that was connected to the inn we were staying at that said, you know, masks optional. Yeah. Yeah, like living, I think, out in the rural areas, it's just it's like a different thing than like the the city. Like I said, it was far as level of concern Mm -hmm. and like the the PTSD that came with all this stuff, I think. Right. Right. And and masks don't work if you don't wear them right. And if you're drinking and it's hanging by it's hanging by one of your ears probably didn't need to wear it in the first place or you should have just not had the drink (laughs) or yeah, exactly. Like, right. Like what's does does COVID suddenly stop? Like when you take a sip of your drink or like, (laughs) right. Like, or like you're sitting sitting at a meal, like the idea that you have to like wear a mask where at least in the past, you would have to wear a mask walking to the table, but it's okay. Once you get to your table to take your mask off, like COVID won't travel outside. Yeah. Even during COVID, I was like, this is kind of stupid. This is this is not this is not making sense. But I think a lot of the issues with covid that are so frustrating is the guidelines are all over the place. They're changing every day. There doesn't seem to be any agreement and people are confused and they're tired. And I don't know, maybe, you know, and all I know is we just needed to hear some live music. Um, Yeah. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. So that I've been to. I've been to three concerts post pandemic. Um. I went to, I mean, this past summer, I went to two outdoor venues. Um, one will play the song at the end of the podcast, one of the bands I saw in in a, with a variety of other bands. Then I saw Get Dead, or not Get, I, I saw Dead and Company play. Um, I knew what you meant. <laughs> and um, that was an outdoor venue at the Xfinity Center. And then, like, just recently, we saw Dropkick Murphy's play, St. Patty's Day in Boston. Um, was that, that in a club or was that outside? Yeah, 
It was at, it was at uh, House of Blues on Lansdowne. Okay. Um, and it was, I mean, not a mask in sight. Like, yeah. it's mo- the most normal thing that, the most normal thing that I've seen in a long time. Um, both the, the No Effects Get Dead uh, show that I went to this summer because it was outdoors. Um, very, very few masks of anything. And that was this past summer. Um, Dead and Company, outdoors. You had to have a vaccination card and show proof of vaccination, but there mm-hmm. was no no mask requirement. I didn't see. I mean, there were there were people wearing masks, but not like a ton of people wearing masks. It's hard to smoke pot and wear a mask. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 I, I it was, but I mean, all that like it's it's nice that things are fucking finally norm normalizing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we're st- we're starting to settle in, and man, I miss live music so much. So we we have a boatload of concert tickets, um, lots of stuff coming up, and actually, there's more shows that I want to go to than we can get to, you know, just limited by schedule stuff and kids. Um, but yeah, I, you, you I I don't want to wear a boot again. Well, you <laughs> sent me that. Sucked. You sent me that presale for uh, Green Sky Bluegrass, but I'm probably oh yeah. But I it, and it's like awesome because it's like I'm on my birthday, but I'm probably going to be um, indisposed with something else. So I was like, oh, I can't go. It was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a big show going on um, down in New Haven. They're doing like a and Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds are doing a set, and uh, the Lumineers are going to be there. And um, shit, who else is on it? There's like a, a few other like cool bands that were gonna be there, and I was like, oh, I told Kara, I was like, because she loves the Lumineers, I was like, let's go see. Like, she's like, mm-hmm. I I don't want to go to concerts. And I was like, okay. Hmm. So, yeah, she's. She's not ready yet. No, no, she's been to plenty. We've like all those concerts that I went. Well, except for except for Dead and Company, uh, Dead, she went yeah. to. <laughs> um, so she fucking hates the Dead. But yeah, so we went. Um, no, she had no problems going. She doesn't care any about that. She, it's just she gets like. She's so introverted that like getting out there and like being involved like with like a crowd of people like that is like it's a lot for her. And then figuring out kids and all that stuff. Yep. So I, I do miss festivals though. I'm looking forward to like a nice warm weather festival, but I wanted to we didn't buy tickets or anything yet, but I just didn't know how much I could walk. Yeah. Right. And I, I you know, it's just wearing that boot is is not is not an option. That's too much. It means beats crutches. Right? Yep. <laughs> so how long, how much longer are you in the booth for? Um, I'm not. Um, it, so I had an issue last week and my physical therapist was concerned that, um, that I have a stress fracture. The, I had the, you know, external fixator on my foot right. and on my lower leg. So I hadn't stepped on my, my right leg, because you, you can't in the fixator, at least the position that mine was in, hadn't stepped on it for two and a half months. So I have osteoporosis in my lower right leg. It will, you know, I've been told, you know, it takes about six weeks to heal. As long as you're walking on it, it's going it, to, it'll heal. But they were, the pain in my foot and there's some restrictions in my movement. It, it, she was concerned about the, she was concerned about a stress fracture. And so I went to, I went to the walk-in, got the x-ray and I had to nail the disc to, uh, to my doctor's office because that I don't have a, I don't have a 
a CD drive in this computer. My external drive broke. So I was like, oh, I'll just stick it in the mail. My doctor's office still hasn't freaking gotten it. It's like lost in the mail. I had to let go of the insanity and I'm just like act as if. Uh, So I'm just being really careful with my leg when I'm out and about. uh, I've been putting on the boot, but at this point, it it just almost hurts more when I have the boot on hurts when I have the boot off. Um, So we're, so we're acting as if, um, and it's just, it's all pain. It's all pain related. I just have to judge on a daily basis what I can do and what I can't do. So not, not fun. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds shitty. But I mean, at least like there's progress going, right? Like, I mean, well, not really. And that's that's part of the problem. And that's kind of why I texted you last week because I needed to I needed to regroup. And don't you love it? I'm like, I'm like, I'm feeling shitty. I'm not drunk. I'm not high. I'm not going to kill myself. <laughs> so like, I have to like add that caveat in there. Um, it, like I'm OK, but my foot is not post the post surgery, the removal yep. of the external fixator, my foot is not in the position that it should be. And I don't have, I don't have the appropriate range of motion in my foot. The, I talked to the surgeon and he, he said the dreaded sentence that I've heard. I think I've heard after every single freaking surgery that I've had, he says, well, different surgeons too. Well, under anesthesia, you had appropriate range of motion, yeah. but, but after surgery, my, the inflammatory process has been so strong in my right foot that I start to lose that range of motion again. That's why I had the, that's why I have the fixator, you know, fixator on in the first place. Right, um, right. So, so it was a pretty devastating conversation to have with him, um, there is still a huge chunk of scar tissue in my ankle that they can't touch. Um, the scar tissue is wrapped in my nerve bundle. So if they, 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 they probably could go in and get it. It's a huge risk because if they're off by like a half a millimeter, um, I lose my leg, right? Cause I'll, I'll lose nerve function. I have one doctor that says he can remove that scar tissue, but I'm, I'm done. Right, I'm right. like no more surgeries. I'm done. And and even when I was talking to my surgeon, he proposed another type of surgery and I interrupted him. I said, "Look, emotionally and physically, I cannot take any more. Like I'm at I'm at my max. I cannot be operated on again. This is this was surgery number 7 in how many years? Um the accident was fought, the cycling crash was 5 years ago. So seven surgeries in three years. Right. I told him, I actually interrupted him and I said, look, I'm tapping out. I'm done. No more. Um, The, so what I have to do is get into, okay. My body does what's called keloiding. Okay. And okay. So what that means for, is that my scars just get super, super, super thick and dense. And this happens on the outside of my skin and it's also happening internally. So they want internal ultrasound guided injections into the scar tissue to start dissolving it. So. Right. They, ca- they calcify, like, don't they? Essentially calcify, don't they? Um, No, it's, it's more like, it looks like Play-Doh. 
So imagine your scar turns into Play-Doh on your skin, yep. right? And it, and it also becomes super sensitive and super tight. Uh, I, after the bicycling crash, I had to have a number of, it's, it's like subcutaneous injections into scars, um, on my hand, on my, I think we did my hand, my shoulder, my elbows, my knees, just, you know, because the scars, it hurts, you know, it, so if you, you know, just even touching the outside, it becomes very, very sensitive. So, but they want to do that internally. They did one injection while I got my last surgery, but I'm in the process of just setting up, um, with an internal or, you know, it's an interventional radiologist locally. Yep. So I do not have to go to New York city, uh, to get these injections, uh, that I think I can do. Um, that's doable. The, physical therapy. Um, I talked to my physical therapist about all this. She, she took some measurements and we did some comparing. Um, it's not good. doesn't look good. Um, but what she said was, she said, look, she said, I've had people come in here that are so screwed up that I have no hope that they're ever going to heal. She right. goes, and then one day she goes, something happens. And she goes, I don't know what she goes, it, it, the, you know, I realized that, oh my God, there's progress. And she said also, she's had patients that have like double knee replacements. One side heals fine. So the left side of my body healed just fine. Yep. Right. Cause I had one surgery on that side. Um, but the other side just doesn't respond and something is going on. So she, she used the H word, which makes me want to just, you know, she said, you have to have hope. Oh my God. Meg, you yeah. need hope. hope. That's all you need. Yeah. Hope just hope just makes me want to, you know, tell the world to fuck off because I feel like hope, hope is, hope is a soul killer right now. I have to, I have to be like right where I am because if I'm functioning expectations and hope, I have, I have trouble separating them. Well, cause I said they're that, different. Yes. Oh, they, they absolutely are. However, not when it comes to not right now for me. Yeah, they're they're all, very yeah. they're very intertwined. Um, so I have to just function where I am, and it's it's super frustrating and not not making me very happy. Uh, the the other issue I have to deal with is I can't work as a paramedic because I'm not safe right now. Right, right? you can't <laughs> you can't have somebody hobbling on a scene. You can't have somebody that can't carry people down a staircase. I mean, it's a you know it's a really it's a physical job that is super frustrating. I mean, maybe I'll be able to work next week. Maybe I won't be able to work for a year. Like I legit don't know. Um, so I've had to, you know, just make some decisions about my work. Um, and it looks like right now, I don't know, it may change. Um, I'm interviewing with, um, with a private practice and I can work as a counseling therapist. So I'm thinking that if this works out with this practice, you know, I'll just work as a therapist. And then as soon as I'm physically capable of being a paramedic again, I'll do it. Right. Uh, but it's, you know, I, I like being a paramedic. Oh, you <laughs> I really wanna, do. You don't want to listen to people talk about their problems all day long? Um, I'm actually, I mean, so I, can, I, do... I can give you all my problems all day long. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll fix them for you. <laughs> I, I actually, I like, I, I do like helping people with, with their issues. And 
it's, it's not that I don't like being a therapist. It's, um, I, I like paramedic first, you know, therapist, therapist second. But what I've been doing over the last few years, I mean, when I, even when I got my EMT is I've been trying to incorporate, um, psychology and, and being a first responder, because it seems to be, it's something that's ignored. And if something happens to you, you know, in your home or you have a trauma on the side of the road, what I do with you, you know, as your paramedic is something that you're going to remember for the rest of your life, right? It's something that has potential to cause you PTSD a week later or a year later. And, you know, my first job is to save your life, right? But there's things we can do as providers to mitigate that trauma years from now. And that's what I've been working on. So maybe this, you know, maybe this just all comes full circle. And, you know, I genuinely am integrating, um, you know, it's therapeutic process um, in the medical process that that we're doing. Uh, but it wasn't I, it, not, not intentional. You know, this this definitely wasn't intentional and not the not the path that I thought that I'd be going on right. right now. Yeah. Well, you're where you're at. Fuck it. What are you going to do? Yeah. Like, there's just, there's just, you just keep doing the next right fucking thing. That's all I'm doing. It, the thing that hit me after that phone call with my doctor is I, I don't have any desire to dig deep or to fight anymore. You know, everything in my life, I'm a super high achiever. I work very hard. Um, you know, I'm willing to fight for things. I mean, dig deep. I mean, we talked about grit, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Right now, I'm just like, uncle, I'm I'm fucking done. You know, I nobody's cutting into me again. Nobody's yeah. cutting into me. I can't, I can't take it. I really feel like it's I would say it's gonna break me, but realistically, I'm already broken, right? <laughs> yeah, break broken, just, kiddo. Uh, yeah. You just fucking keep yeah, moving so, forward. Well, that's the problem. I legit can't. You know, nah, you're I mean, fucking, you're healing. You're moving forward. You're just doing it. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Not that. It's just, it hasn't been that simple. And I wish that. I, I think it were, it was easier after the, you know, after the initial bike crash. You know, when I broke my hips and back, and coming back from that, because I still had fight in me. Right. I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. Everything is going to be OK. I'm going to heal. But five years, you know, of of healing and setbacks and surgeries and. It's, it's fucking exhausting. It's absolutely yeah. exhausting. Yeah. That's shit. But like I said, just keep fucking moving forward. Keep swimming. Yeah. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. You know what? I probably can start swimming now, actually. And I, I thought about that. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to submerge my leg in water because they have three giant holes in the front of my shin. So I had yep. 12 different metal rods going through my legs. The three in the front of my shin were, were large. Um, I'm trying to think a couple, you know, a couple millimeters, um, couple millimeters thick, but those scabs are still healing. And when he, you know, he said, I can submerge my leg when it looks like they aren't open holes in my shin anymore. And we're just about there, but it's cold out. It's, <laughs> I, 
I'm tough, but I don't think I could go swim in our lake right now. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing is, regardless of um, regardless of like your foot status, like your foot is in the proper proper frame for swimming. I mean, you're like have yeah, plantar, plantar, plant, <laughs> yeah. plantar flexion, just no dorsiflexion, right? So, like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something I've been, I mean, I work on this every day, but just being able to, you know, sit on my shins and sit on my feet again, I practice that every day, you know, sitting yeah. on the tops of my feet and stretching them forward. That's easier. Yeah. Like, you know, than the, than the plantar flexion, plantar flexion, um, is, is still pretty sketchy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, at least like you can do something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it definitely it felt like it felt like getting hit upside the head with a you know with a two by four. And I don't I don't give people a lot of power in life. Like if you you know, I value what you say as my friend, but I don't really care what strangers say and you know, I, I make my own opinion of myself. But having the, you know, having the surgeon that, you know, that did all this, I think he said, let me, let me see if I can quote this right. He said, well, I don't think we can call this a failure yet. And I'm like, seriously, like, <laughs> I, I appreciate, I appreciate the wordsmithing you know, that he was trying to do and it's okay. So it's not totally it's not totally screwed yet. Yep. But there's, you know, there's serious concerns. And to think that I went through two and a half months of that medieval torture device and maybe it didn't work. It, yeah. That, well, that that's, all, that's all fucking behind you. Now you just got the present. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. Go see some concerts this summer. Yeah, I just have to be I just have to be able to walk. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, if you I, weren't um, if you weren't so old and had off osteoporosis in your fucking bones, maybe you could walk. Old lady. I almost just spit my tea out. Yeah, the osteoporosis was was kind of funny, but you know, they keep they say don't worry about it and it you know, it takes about 4 to 6 weeks for, you know, for that level of bone damage to heal and it'll be fine, but it, I can't like I can't accidentally bang my shin on anything or if I tripped or if I fell, which, you know, which hasn't happened, <laughs> um, it would probably break a bone. And, you know, I may have the stress fracture right now. Um, so, and, but, you know, the treatment for stress fracture is just, you know, you got to just immobilize it, stay off it, let it heal and move on, you know? Yeah. That is the stress fractures are the, they're just, they suck. Yeah. And they're like fucking hidden most of the time, right? Like mm -hmm. so. the, the only time I had a stress fracture, um, after Maeve was born, um, when I started running, I went back just, I, I went back too quickly. And I remember I was running on the trails over in the rest, the West Hartford reservoir. And I turned an ankle. Yep. This was prior, this was prior to my crash. And I, I always turn my ankles as a trail runner and my ankles just pop back up. Cause that's how my body is. But I remember turning my ankle and it really hurt. I was like, yeah. wow. And I was kind of limping for a while. 
But, you know, post-pregnancy, my connective tissues were still lax. I did not have, I did not have the support needed to, right, to do that. And is that excessive oxytocin? Is that what it is that causes the tissue to all be among other, super among supple? other things? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, all the hormones, you know, all the hormones make the connective tissues a little bit more flexible than they should be. And yeah, so that was my first experience. That was my first experience with a stress fracture. Otherwise, I don't I don't think I've had any more. Maybe I had and just didn't know about it. Who knows? Well, I mean, I am dealing with fucking allergies right now. And that sucks, Megan. That sucks. <laughs> so I know you got so all that. I know you got all that going on. So so I was at work all night last night, right? Like, and, and I like just wanted to like stuck tissue up into my nose, like just Mm -hmm. to keep it from dripping down my face. I'm like, these people are going to think I'm fucking a weirdo. And I just want, like, that's all I wanted to do. My like nose is so raw. It's disgusting. My wife's like, why don't you take allergy medicine? I'm like, body's got to do its process. It's got to do its process. She calls me all sorts of angry names. (laughs) <laughs> um, I can't take allergy medicines because they jack me up so much that I'm like speedy Gonzalez on crack. It's, it's like taking speed. Yeah. Um, I can take Benadryl. That's the one I can take, but that's going to put you to sleep. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, the only like allergy medicine doesn't typically do that to me. Um, Sudafed will get me a little, little amped up. I was like, I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that this is essentially the fucking speed that you're taking here. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, I, I remember like I took, cause when I ran Boston, um, in 2017, I went out like, I like, cause it's allergy season. Just that's like when Boston fucking hits. And, um, I like went out on an easy run with like a group and my heart rate was like through the fucking roof. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is going yeah. on? And I yeah. like, and, uh, and I was with Jesse and he was like, he's like, did you take anything? I was like, well, I took Sudafed. He's like, you tell me that's like, yeah. and I was like, and I was like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. And so, yeah, but yeah, that, that jacks me up, but like Zyrtec doesn't really do much of anything. So, yeah. Um, you put tampons in your nostrils. Oh, that's, that'd what, be, that's what we do sometimes. Yeah. With people that have bloody awesome. noses. Yeah. Just stick to yeah. Tampons. We, we did a call right before, um, right before I went out for my surgery and, patient had an extreme, this really, really heavy bloody nose for a long time and it wouldn't stop. And I said, I was like, you, cause I don't carry tampons in my medical bag. <laughs> um, it, it's just not, not in our supplies, but I actually said to her, I was like, do you have any tampons in the house? I said, this could, is that if we could just, you know, put those up each nostril, we can just stop the bleeding until, you know, until she gets to the hospital. And, um, uh, my, my partner who's male, kind of gave me a weird look. I was like, they're the perfect thing to stop bleeding. I mean, you can use gauze, but you're going to, it's, it's going to run through the gauze. I mean, it looks a little weird, but I mean, when you have a nosebleed for hours, it's going down your throat and it's making you sick and it's pretty nasty. So tampons up your nose. You can do that at home. (laughs) They already know you're weird at home. I'll just go do it at work. I got, got a shift tonight. It'd be fun. I'm actually, I'm, I'm hoping that in this recording, I don't sound like I'm sniffling the entire time. Like I've been doing fucking Coke all night long or like, <laughs> like Johnny Depp on the fucking stand. Oh yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't watch that. I feel like having, having been divorced 
any divorce in a public forum sounds so awful and painful and I can't even imagine. And my divorce did not entail the level of drama that was going on. Oh, you they're, know, they're just in, fucking in insane. Yeah. I mean, but still like having that stuff aired publicly. Oh my God. I can't. I was like, that's, and also I'm so on edge. I even, I even really stopped watching the news because I realized the news is just like a series of mini traumas, right? They just throw at you with no resolution and they move on. I'm like, why am I watching this? The only reason I want to watch the news is to see what the weather is. And I can yep. just pick up my phone for that or I could step outside. You can't pick up your phone on no screen Thursday, but you can't watch the news on no screen Thursday either. Oh, you guys don't even watch TV on Thursdays? No. no. I read, dude, I read a fucking book yesterday. Well, not a whole book, but I read a book yesterday. And I don't, that's not like not my, my favorite jam to do. Like, yeah, I'm I would a rather, reader, so I, read a lot. I, would, I would rather like listen to it, like audio book or whatever. Like, I rap, but I was like, huh, I'll just read. So yeah, I was looking at, um, I was reading Matt Fitzgerald's uh, How Bad Do You Want It? Oh, is it any good? Uh, I like a lot of Matt Fitzgerald's writing. Um, yeah, I do too. He's, uh, he puts pretty complex thought processes into pretty simple terms. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, so far it's good. He talks, he talks a lot about, um, essentially about, like it's all about the psychological aspect of endurance mm-hmm. athletics. And in, he ta- talks like the first uh, introduction chapter is really about um, his personal story in regards to like fear dictating and like um, not wanting to, not wanting to hurt anymore. So probably, yep, probably very similar, similar to what you're dealing with. And yeah. Was like, it just, yeah, it just took it took a really extreme amount of pain to get me here. Yeah, extreme. Where, you know, most people like even you know my my youngest is starting track, and I've had to have the the conversations with her. A title of this podcast, like it's okay to be uncomfortable. It right. really is, but you're gonna have to judge when you're right on the line of an injury. Right. You only you know that you know that level of pain. But I, you know, I explained the concept of the central governor to her that we have this thing in our brain that's going to stop you way before, you know, way before you're done. It's going to tell you you're tired. It's going to tell you your legs hurt. Um, And I I think she heard it because we started that conversation because she ran on the treadmill yesterday down in the basement that were my kids are on spring break this week. And her mile time was so much faster. Like, I think she did an eight minute mile down on the yeah. treadmill and she'd been doing um like 10 minutes plus at, at track practice. And she said, why am I, why did I just run that so much faster? What's, you know, what's going on? So that's, and I said, well, your friends aren't there. There's no distractions. You're, you're down in the basement. You were just focused and hopefully hopefully she got it. I, I try not to get, try not to get too preachy or too, throw too much information at her. Cause then she just won't listen. Yeah. She's my kid. Yeah. No kids never listen, dude. So the other day, um, uh, our school or my, my kid's school had a, a fucking bomb threat and, um, and it was, yeah, no, like, and so it was like funny. They, so they evacuated the school, I guess maybe not funny, but, um, in this day and age. Um, but they evacuated the school. The kids like all got sent home for the day. 
um, why they investigated. Now, when I was in school, we had bomb threats. I, like I remember them, and uh, we like went outside in the like in the on the field outside, and then like all went back in a half hour later. I was like, I don't know if they ever mm-hmm. searched anything, right? Um, and I think everything's so so heightened now um, because of like you were saying the news that like they like they shut the school down, sent the kids home. And my wife was like, my wife was bugging out so hard. I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, there's literally nothing you can do about it. And there was, um, there's, I guess there's a, a kid in Fiona's class that they, 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 they suspect may have, may have done this. Um, he may have been taken into custody. I don't know. But, um, and it, and I think he's probably got some, some issues, um, but he's like assaulted like a couple girls, like, at like school, um, and so my wife's like, Fiona needs to like do like self defense. And I was like, she should totally do self defense if she like wants to do self defense. And she's like, and she's like, why aren't you angry about stuff? Like, because there's nothing you can do. Like, like this is like, she you like right, but the that, opportunity. Even if you even if you can't do something about a certain situation, it it doesn't mitigate the feelings like. I'm very much a fixer. That's how my brain works. And as soon as there's a problem, I just go into a mode. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? But I can kind of, I can kind of relate to Carrie because like enough is enough. And we shouldn't have to be teaching our girls self-defense because boys are slapping them on their asses. This was happening in in my daughter's school. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and shit like that. We shouldn't have to, um, and it in in that part makes me makes me really mad. But also, I'm I'm a bit more sensitive than I think I would normally be. I don't have my the level of toughness that I've lived with for forty something years. It's it's been broken down. And and so I imagine that in 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 Carrie, it's like all this all these micro traumas with our kids. The fact that our kids have to do shooter drills, right? Um, and there's bomb threats. And these are, you know, these are, these are little kids. It's just, it's fucked up and it shouldn't be that way. We can't fix it. And it's just, yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm angry about it, but I'm, I think I'm angry because I feel helpless. Yeah. Yeah. See, like I, for me, that's the easiest spot to be in where you like have like, you literally have no control. You're like, ah, you just give it up, give it up and give it over. Like, cause there's nothing else you can do that. That it's when, when you have a modicum of control, or you perceive that you have a modicum of c- control, that like I get wicked fucked up. That's where I get super pissed. Anytime, like it happens at work, like they're like, "Hey, we really want your input on this. Like, we really want to change the process." And then you go and you like give them your input, you give them like process change, and then they're like, "Yeah, we're not gonna do that." And you're like, "Fucking what the fuck?" That is the most mm-hmm. to me. That is what bothers me. Like, if you don't, if you don't want input if you don't want if like you're telling me it can't be changed then like don't give me the 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 guys that it can be changed and so like yeah so total like helplessness i'm okay with that that's exactly i'm not i gotta say i'm i'm not lately i'm angry um i haven't been i don't it's because you girls, girls are so emotional oh yeah yeah that's <laughs> what it is really <laughs> Um, the, the last, the last podcast we recorded, 
I had an issue and lost like hours worth of work that I had done editing and stuff. And I was so mad. I mean, I was so mad. Um, like I told you, I'm like, I need to take a break. Like yep. I need a break. I need to walk away. My pulse was 110 sitting at my desk. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's, I, that theme is like freaking punching me in the face in life since this stupid goddamn bicycle crash, right? This stupid thing, this stupid crash that I probably shouldn't have even have survived realistically. And there is, there's always been something to do for me. There's always been something to do to heal, there's to get stronger, to, you know, and when we're talking about our kids, you know, it's, you know, teaching them or, you know, having them take self-defense classes or talking to them about shooter drills in school and lockdown drills. It's, it's just grates on your soul. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm at a new bottom in life and it's not a bottom where I'm like <laughs> drunk or high or going to kill myself, but it's a bottom. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, really? It's just fucking really. It's seriously. <laughs> and, and you're right. This is, this is what's on our plate right now. Like yeah. with our kids. I get it, but it's not okay. So this is a good example. So Maeve, um, Maeve is very much into my, that's my 12 year old, her, her, what she wears to school. She's very fashion conscious. Like that's her thing. Right. And she has put on some outfits that in my mind are inappropriate that I would not let her wear. Oh, you're an old lady now. <laughs> so there's also, there's also a dress code at school. They have a dress code. So she would have been in violation of the dress code. Right. And so she was like, why do I have to dress for other people? And I said, well, I said, you're 12 years old and there's a lot of screwed up people in this world and I want to keep you safe. And I don't want people looking at you in, in a way that they shouldn't be looking at you or treating you, you know, based on what you're wearing. And so she's like, that's really messed up. She goes, well, if that's the case, I should be able to wear what I want. And that person needs to get their behavior in check. She's 100% right. She's when and I was like, but you, you know, me, you, you, can't, said, you yeah. can't fix all sick people, right? Sick people. That's sick. what I said. And I said, I said, buddy, you're right. It's totally messed up. However, this is the way it is. And right now this is the reality. And I can't put you out there as a test case. But that's, that's uh, the thing is it's always been the reality. Like it's, it's no different. Yeah. Than, right. Like, like, I don't think, I think if anything, things have progressed where it's better. It's just yeah. more in your face. Like, right. Like there was like, I can't, I can't tell you the number of like stories that I heard from like, you know, women of your age or like, um, your age. <laughs> or like, or like, and, and older, and older, <laughs> like have been like, yeah, like, and then there was this guy and he pulled on our street and he like waved this over to the car and he was jacking off in the car. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't, and I oh, have, yeah. and right. Like I haven't seen now and I haven't heard now any of that, like in recent years. So I think like, there's still sickos well, it's, and stuff in the world. It's there's accepted still... that this is not okay. Whereas right. in the eighties, it's just just like it was not it wasn't talked about the same way. Yeah, well you it's know? just and it wasn't and, in your face in the same way. So I had to 
I had to talk to Shay, our 16 year old. So Shay's a junior. She's starting to kind of think, well, does she want to go to college? What does she want to do? In the two avenues that she's looking at, she loves cooking. Okay. Um, she's in a cooking program at school. Um, and so she's talking about either doing, you know, a cooking school or talking about joining the police and, and doing the police academy. And what I explained to her is I said, look, you're talking about two fields that are grossly male dominated. And I said, that's okay. You should, that uh, don't let that ever stop you, but just realize that it's kind of like, kind of like me being a paramedic, right? You're going to have to work 10 times harder than your male counterparts. It's totally screwed up. It should not be that way. But if you know that going into it, it, it makes it, it makes it a little bit easier as a woman. It's not fair. It's not right. Um, we don't have to, I'm not telling my kids to accept these things, um, so I know maybe yeah, acceptance isn't the word, but sometimes you just have to see the world as it is and work within its confines. So it, and Shay's like, no, I know, I get it, you know. Well, it's what a, she it's wants to do. It's unfortunate because um, I think in most cases, in not in all cases, right? Like I said, there's there's fucking there's definitely like super patriarchal like um, and like misogynistic. Uh, people in those fields. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but I think they are, they are more set up now than ever to be equal playing fields now. But it's, it's, it's better than it has been, but it's still, it's still atrocious. It's, <sighs> it's still not, um, it's almost, it's almost like, um, you know, athletics, Right. Male. And um, in, in, at the school level, we have you know, we have Title IX and everything is supposed to be equal. Mm -hmm. I can assure you it's not. I mean, it's it's really not. And, you know, look at the U.S. women's soccer team. I mean, they had that really big lawsuit. You know, we have people that are doing the work to change things. We need to change things. We need to keep doing what are what we're doing. And I would never discourage you know, Shay from going into the police force or going into cooking because she's a female. I'm like, should, of course, you should, we need, we you should need discourage more of her. You. you should discourage her to go into cooking because it's a shitty fucking lifestyle. Well, again, it's it, she's she's my kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're going to they're going to do what they want to do. And those are the two things that she loves right now. Yep. Who, who knows? Who knows? She's she's only 16 years old. It may, you know, may change by the time she graduates. But. Yeah, it's I, I think that I've been I've been feeling a lot of that anger like this is just fucked up and I'm not OK with it anymore, whether we're looking at the world or my health or whatever. It's just I want to just say it's not OK, but the universe doesn't give a shit. I mean, this is it. it is what it is. I'm just not. Um you know, sayings like hang in there, this too shall pass, or God doesn't give you more than you can handle are like, if you want to get punched in the face, those are the things that you say to me. <laughs> I, I'm not really punching anybody in the face. I think about it, <laughs> but there's, there's a very, there's wrong things you can say to people. When you, and, when you say hang in there, do you picture the cat uh, hanging from the tree? Like by one no, paw? I, I'm so I'm so disturbed and twisted. I think of somebody that has killed themselves hanging because think about my job. Right. You know, um, yeah, 
and I, I, I think of the absolute worst, but yeah, I remember that kitty poster from when we were in kid, you know, like the do- doctor, I think I had a dentist's office that might've had it like on the ceiling. So I went to the dentist yesterday. I fucking hate the dentist. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. It's the but, worst. but yeah, I was in the dentist and it's, and I'm not sure if it's just my dentist or, but I feel like it's every dentist I've ever been to that they have the music at just the right volume. Oh, yeah. That like, and like the music is like, so it's about like his, I mean, it's, it's legitimate music, right? Like it's, but it's like the most bland pop music that mm-hmm. like, and it's, it's amazing to me because like, it's at just the right level that like, it like drowns out all the pain and suffering that's going on on the other side of the walls. And you can, and you're like, huh, it's sort of, sort of, sort of peaceful in this in sense. And you're like, you're like, but you know, like. You know, on the other side, someone's like getting like a root canal drilled out and you're like, and they're oh. like, <laughs> but you can't hear it because the music's not just, I, I I don't know if they like, that's all intentional. So, so maybe I need to listen to more of that. Like I could just put it in my, in my AirPods yeah. and just walk around the day. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a dentist's office modality. Maybe that would. Maybe that would drown out my inner angst. That's like I do. I do walk around with my earbuds in a lot and just listening to yeah, music while I do. I'm like um, very, there's I'm very always happy. Music. Yeah, there's always music going in our house. Always. Oh. And and I, you know, I also play. So so between playing or listening um, or, you know, or even talk talking about music, we that's that's a big part of that's And I noticed during when I had the fixator on my leg. Okay, the whole process of showering every day, and you have to shower every day. I got to clean your wounds. I had I had all this stuff I needed to do, and I would just turn on my music and just turn it on really loud, you know, really loud while I was going through all this. And it really, it, it helped me. It helped me. And different music, you know, different music, different days. Uh, but yeah, so so there's always something going. Well, I think you should throw the um, the dentist playlist on there. You know, a little Katy Perry, <laughs> followed like by like a little Peter Cetera. Um, oh, Peter Cetera! Oh God, yeah. Throw throw some throw some Journey on there, you know, and then yeah. a little Foreigner. A little foreigner? bring it bring it back to maybe you know a little um, a little like Rihanna in there, like get thrown in there. <laughs> Just like, you know, like ups and downs, it just like takes you on that like wild ride. Through okay. the dentist. That's one thing I haven't tried is the dentist's office thing. There you <laughs> when, go. When I was in school, when I study, um, I can't listen to music when I study, mm-hmm. uh, but what I would turn on in the background are whale sounds. Like, you know, you can go on YouTube and just turn on whale sounds. Shut the fuck up. Like, oh my God. I needed so some, sa- I need, no, I needed sound in the background that I heard that was distracting, but I could still focus on, on what I was studying. But if I actually listen to music that I like and that I know I start hearing the music and I wasn't hearing what I, you know, or wasn't soaking in what I had to study. So whale sounds, whale sounds, you know, sounds (laughs) fucking awful. Like I don't even enjoy, like just the thought of the whale sounds, like makes my brain fucking hurt. Like I don't, I don't, <laughs> yes, it, it's it, it's it. You like should hour, try it. You try it. the whale sounds. I'll try the dentist's office. No, thing. I think you I think never what, know. <laughs> I think what would work is like I like I like the sound of rain. I could do like rain, but I'd probably fall asleep. 
Or you have to pee. No, I don't. I don't have that reaction where like water, the sound of water makes me want to. Well, the whales, the whales are in water, so you can hear them like swimming through the water. (laughs) You sound like you sound like Chewbacca. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're about to get in the Millennium Falcon. So, so have you? I do. I like. I I can't. I have a hard time picturing you at Disney. But if you ever go to Disney, oh yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um. So we went this past this past winter with um with my family and, and the in laws, and they have um Star Wars World or Star Wars thing, and you get to fly the Millennium Falcon. It's fucking a cool ride. It is so like nice. like if you like grew up like in Star Wars, you're like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. I get to do this, and like. Mm-hmm the line cues through like the millennium Falcon. So like you get to like be up and close. There's like the holographic chessboard. Like it's, it's all pretty cool. Like if you're kind of nerdy and stuff like that. Yeah. The kids, no, the kids. I'm, I remember when, when we were kids, my brother and I, we'd be on road trips with my parents and we would like play star Wars in the car. My dad would be Han Solo. My brother would be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I'd be Princess Leia and we would make my mom be Chewbacca because she could <laughs> bake the sound. <laughs> my mom could make the sound. And um and God one day so we're playing Star Wars and you know those little cars that you know we you flip on the bottom and the wheels move automatically. Yep. Right? You remember those? So Randy and I were playing with one of those in the back seat. I'm running it up and down the seat. I was sitting behind my mom. And I decided to run it over my mom's shoulder. And then oh. I thought it'd be a good idea to run it through her hair. Yeah. <laughs> the thing went like. <laughs> it stopped. <laughs> and yeah, it got stuck in her hair. So um, that was the end of the Star Wars. Star Wars <laughs> game. Um, my mom, I thought she was going to kill us. I, and my mom has really curly hair. So, it, you know, I. I don't know how she got, I don't know how she got it out. I think as a kid, I just blocked the rest of the memories out because I realized how awful it was. I had no clue. I just thought it'd be fun. Dude, there's, there's, there's uh, several, like you probably could, you probably could fucking Google. See, this is what you need to do. You need to stop Googling the news and Google this. Um, little girls getting their hair caught in like drones, like those like cheap toy drones. Oh, like, oh. yeah, little, like, like looking down and like, and all of a sudden, like their hair is hanging over, and it goes like the drone zips up and like catches in their. It's right. So there. there was this one woman at my old job, and she was really mean. I didn't like her, and we had to wear badges uh, at the at the Capitol, you know, to get us, you know, to get us through whatever security or doors or whatever. And one day, she had her badge on around her neck and was shredding papers, and it got stuck in the paper shredder. <laughs> Like, she's like, <laughs> and it, somebody ran over and like pulled the plug on the paper shredder, but it had shredded like three quarters of her badge. Yeah. And, and it was like, <laughs> it was right. It was around her neck. And I thought it was funny just cause I didn't like her. And I was like, well, no, that's it funny. it's karma. <laughs> Even if you like her, I'd be funny. Yeah, I know. Well, if I liked the person I'd want to help them, I, but Somebody else jumped in uh, at this on this occasion and uh, made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> no harm, no foul. No one was hurt. Just someone had to make. A yeah, new I mean, 
Imagine if she was like working by herself or something. <laughs> she was like, well, you, yeah. you hit the off button. That's what you do. She, yes, I would do, but she panicked. Yeah. She was just, she absolutely panicked. Like this paper shredder was going to eat her face or something, but you know, you know, in the, in the words of uh, John Lennon, instant karma is going to get you. And it's nice when I can see it happen. <laughs> I normally try to be a good person in life. I actually have to work at that. But sometimes when I see bad things happen to bad people, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. You know, like like there at least there's some balance in the universe at times. <laughs> but my mom, if for the record, my mom did not deserve what was those stompers stompers. That's what they were called. Those little cars. She, my mom did not deserve a stomper in her hair. And Maureen, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry that I put a stomper in your hair. You did not deserve that. I don't know. It kind of sounds like you think she might have deserved that. No, because she was an awesome Chewbacca. She made great Chewbacca sounds. <laughs> nope. I was, I was genuinely happy and enjoying the Star Wars games. So. Oh, so sad. Where were you? Do, do you remember where you were going on the car trip? Yes, we were driving to my grandparents' house. So my grandparents lived in Weston, Connecticut, okay. and we grew up in Salem, Connecticut. So it was about a little. I mean, it was about a two-hour drive to their house. Down, yeah. In that Weston's in Fairfield County. So we we traveled down there quite a bit, and my parents got very good. Um, we also did a lot of road trips and vacations like that. But my parents got very good at handling me and my brother. Um, in Fairfield County, got to yes. put your pinky up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, my gra- my grandparents' house was awesome. I mean, my grand it was huge, but they had a full size um, ice rink that my grand because my grandfather was a semi pro hockey player. Uh huh. Um, and then when he when he left that, um, he taught lessons. He was a he was in the Army Air Corps, and then he was a pilot for American Airlines until he retired. But so I was I learned how to ice skate. I, as soon as I could walk, you know, I have, I have memories of being at their house and my pop-up would never let me wear the double skates, you know, the double bladed skates. Cause he said it was cheating. Um, so I'd have to hold on to him and he would skate backwards and I'd skate forwards. That was it. And we would do that again and again. That's how I learned. That's how I learned how to play hockey. I don't know how to ice skate. Really? Yeah. Well, so I've only been ice skating, um, one time my wife wants me tries to get me to go all the time and i like have no desire she's like but you can like rollerblade and you can do other things and like she's like you'd be fine i'm like eh, i have no desire to like learn a new skill and i okay. and i have if in my like can in my, you like, get video if you do this can you just have carrie just, to get video just like well have, have you seen kids learning to skate now they yep. have like these giant like fucking uh sleds that yep. they like push around the pvc yep. sleds just mm-hmm. me pushing around a PVC like sled, like an old man on a walker. Well, I tell you what, how about this? I will hold you. We'll do like we're dancing. I'll put my arms out. You hold my forearms like right at my elbows. Yeah. Right. And I skate backwards and you skate forwards. But I think, I do think that it'll be easier. I'll if, hold you. Don't worry. If, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to suck. It's not my skill set, <laughs> but if um, I do think it'd be easier in, uh, hockey skates, right? Modern hockey skates vice. What I like the one time I went skating was in like old school f- figure skates mm-hmm. and there's like yeah, no, I, no structure in them whatsoever. And Okay. Well, you probably got a shitty pair of skates. If the yeah. skates are dull, it's 
absolutely brutal. You, you just can't, but it all that, the only difference is how you stop, right? There's a, there's a way that you stop in figure skates that you cannot do in hockey skates. Um, so as long as you just realize there's, you know, toe picks on, toe on pick. the edge of your toes, you know, um, that's, what was that movie? Like if you, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't think of it. Yeah. That skating movie from, yeah. from the eighties where yeah. he was like a hockey player and she needed ice, ice, ice dreams, icicles, ice. Oh. Okay. Google ice. that shit. All right. You, you, you look that up. Um, Ice, something, something so, or other. So, the cutting edge. Oh, okay. All right. I was way off, but I do remember it. Yep. It was. So the best part about that is, so I googled Topic, right, because of the, the line, <laughs> and it's a Topic movie, and it was it was like right up there. Huh. First, first Google search Topic movie. So. Well. When my when my ankles heal, if you want to go skating, I will take you skating. Aww. And your and your yeah. grandparents and your grandparents freaking. They don't live. Well, my grandparents are no longer living, sadly, um, and they sold that house in Weston and ended up moving down to Hilton Head, um, and they lived out there lived out their retirement down there. Oh, in so. Hilton Head. I don't know if I'd want to. I have to um, my both of my grandparents were huge golfers. Um, oh, there's there is a ton of golfing down yeah, here. Sure. I mean, really, really my and my grandfather is pretty competitive. Um, but that's what they did. So they needed, you know, that's what their social circle was. That's and they, you know, it, it worked out well for them. And actually when I did when I was training for my first official marathon, um, I was visiting them and I remember doing some long runs down there. It was really pretty in their development because you know, it's a little bit hilly, like up and down, but so shaded. Just a lovely, lovely safe area. Like you can run in the middle of the street, you know. So and that was God. I think I was still a teenager at that yeah. time. I don't remember, but it is. So I went to Hill, we went to Hilton Head last year, um, and uh, it's just fucking hot and humid. I like. I really don't have a lot of love for South Carolina. I spent spent a little bit of time there, and it's just oh. This is this is the dilemma that we're facing. I'm thinking that we're going to be we're going to be in this place in in New Hampshire um, for roughly 10 to 15 more years, which, as you know, because you're old, um, goes by in a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. Right. If you think to 10 years ago. But that's when our girls will sort of be, you know, up and on their own or doing whatever they're going to do. So we're thinking long term, like, where are we going to live? And, you know, we went to Maine last weekend and stayed up there. We did a lot of exploring. I love the main coast. Like yeah. I absolutely love the Rocky beaches. I love the, I call it the ugliness of it and the rawness of it because it's not like one of those beautiful Caribbean beaches. There's something about the Rocky surf of, of Maine that, that really calls to me. And so we're, you know, we're looking at properties and we have some criterion that, you know, that we're working around. However, this is the big one. It gets really cold. I mean, I'm in New Hampshire and, but that wind off the ocean in Maine yep. and it's an, I genuinely don't know, would I be able to, would I be able to live there year round? I don't know. So when I was in Virginia, we would, um, when I was in the Navy, because you're on, on the water, right. And like you report to the ship 
and you have to walk down a long pier, there is arguably nothing, in my opinion, nothing worse than like a 20 mile, 20 mile an hour wind coming off the ocean. Even if it's above freezing, like it just rips, like in its moist water, it's like moist air, it just rips through everything you're wearing. Mm-hmm. It's, it is yeah. like, and so like being on a mate, fuck, fuck that shit. Fuck. I have, <laughs> I have no desire to be near the ocean. Send me in a fucking mountain. Yeah, see, somewhere. that's, that is my, that's my number one criteria that we need to be, oh, we need oh, to be on the ocean. Yeah, that. that's, it's 100%. That's, that's the first one. Bill, Bill's is, he wants to have no neighbors which is fair. He, and he wants the, he wants the isolation. He wants something, um, with a lot of land, but also the other criteria that I have is I want to love where I live. Right. I really want to love the, the land and I want to feel strongly about the community that I'm in. Even if, even if we don't have neighbors for miles, you, you know, you, you still, you know, well, at least I still need community. We didn't, we didn't exactly find we didn't exactly find what we were looking for, um, but we have we have a few years. Uh, so, and who knows? I mean, maybe I could get a we get a place up in Maine, and just for the really awful cold winter months, just go south. I mean, we could be we could be those people in our old age. I don't know. Um, I can I can get a job I, anyway. I got a place so. in the villages in Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see I got myself my golf, living in I got, Florida. I, I got my golf cart. Hanging with Morty from Boca Raton. <laughs> <laughs> we're, oh. we're playing Pinochle this afternoon. You want to join us? So, <laughs> so, right, talking about, like, retirement, it's weird. So I've, like, I've thought about <laughs> it. And the, and the reason, like, it's, it's strange is, right, it, so I talk, my buddy Matt, like, is always like, He's like, California's like where he wants to retire. He's like, he's like I want to go to California. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, fuck California. I'm like, A, it's too expensive. And like, yeah. be like what you're going to get. Like, and he's like, he's like, no, no. California's on such like a downward trajectory that like, it maybe is, it'll be, it affordable. maybe it'll be affordable by the time like we retire. And so, so like I've done like, right. Like what you're saying, like, it's like, I've gone places and looked and mm-hmm. you start like looking, you're like, oh, like, who knows what's going to be like, where, like affordable, like where you want to like retire. Well, the, the other piece that's big for me and it's huge for me because one, um, my husband had an aneurysm that burst in his head that, that, you know, I had to do CPR on him in the middle of the night, call nine one one. Um, you know, so we've dealt with that, right. We've also dealt with this crash that I've had. Yep. I'm also a paramedic. So those three things, it is important to have a hospital nearby. Right. right. It doesn't have to be a level one trauma center. It doesn't have, but there needs to be something nearby and accessible if anything ever happens. And if it's, I mean, you know, we may be healthy for the rest of our lives and, and hopefully that's the case, but what if parents move in with us or a family member or somebody that needs, you know, somebody that needs help? I mean, that is our role. Um, Bill and I are both the oldest in our family. So it, you know, it's, it's something to consider, but we want to make sure that we have access to a hospital um, and an airport. Um, like I love the Outer Banks, but it's landlocked and it's brutal to get there. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so it's oh, the Outer Banks, <laughs> like just like I like, like it there. 
Yeah, but like your house is always like under siege, like every fucking year. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, tourists. Yeah, tourists. One thing. Um, hurricanes. Oh, hurricanes. The other thing. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's well, like, we have I, we have we have family down there, and, she, and my aunt is just I don't know. She's a hurricane pro. Every time there's a hurricane, we always call her and check in on her, and she's like, "Yep, doing okay." You know, she and her neighbors just just do their thing, and they literally, no pun intended, just weather the storm and. Um, you know, and she and her family have been safe. It's you, well, you got hurricanes on the East coast. You got Matt's going to die of a wildfire or an earthquake out in Colorado or Colorado, California, you know, should he move out there, wherever you go, there's something you can't, like I sound like, golly, I'm all like glasses half empty, but you can't, there's going to be hardships. I think wherever you are. Not in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. That's where I'm retiring. Why Gatlinburg? Yeah, mountain town, like close to like a lot of like really cool like outdoor activities, a lot of like relatively affordable condominiums. Um, You'd live and, in a condo? Oh yeah. So like, so here, this is my plan. So like, my plan is to have um, two condos and uh, a like suited up freaking. Um, like van, right? It's like, so yeah. you like live in one place and then you travel like, like through, mm-hmm. through shoulder season or through wherever, like to like the next place. Okay. So like, I've looked at like Gatlinburg and, um, I've looked at Flagstaff. Um, okay. First, the thing that was, that was like, I had to actually look up um, remember I was talking about trips that we did as kids. Um, mm-hmm. my father is a huge civil war buff yep. big time. And then I was like, and we've taken civil war vacations. Like literally, I'm not in, like touring battle sites as a kid. Does like, your, it goes right over your head. Does, does your dad dress up? Does he do civil no, no, war no, reenactments? No, no. Can I ask no, him that? No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so that's what I was just Googling because I, I don't think we, we haven't traveled there, but the Smoky Mountains um, were sites of several skirmishes and guerrilla warfare between the Confederate and Union sympathizers. And then, but it says the Battle of Berg Hill in 1863 um, during the Civil War. So there was something that, I, yeah, so it's on one of the Civil War battlefield tours, which I've taken, yeah. I've been on battlefield tours um and when you're when you're 10 years old 12 years old however it was you look at a battlefield and you look at fake cannons and you look at fake cannonballs I, I did not get it i did not get it i was like this is like it was like walking through golf courses however now that I'm older, I see those fields and I can actually envision, you know, these these kids. I mean, and these were kids, you know, that were fighting in these wars um, and all the people that died. Like, I get it now. But at that age, man, that was yeah, I still that was a lot think, to take in. I mean, to like to understand it and to like be able to like parse that in your your head, like whatever. I still don't think that'd be like a fucking tour I would go on. Like, hey, let's go to like. The Civil War. Uh, my Marshall, my my dad is is coming on. I think our, we're recording with him next um, to talk about things. You can ask him. You can ask him about the vacations, oh, uh, the Jesus. Civil War, Civil War vacations. But I, it kind of 
I mean, we had different childhoods. I went to like House Caverns and the Catskill Game Farm and Nisqually Beach, and you went to Civil War sites. Um, we said we spent our we spent our summers out at Block Island. That is how I learned how to surf. Gotcha. As a kid. Um, okay, so I have a Marshall story for you, and this is I think going to explain a lot of why I am who I am and how I was raised. We went to Ocean City, Maryland, and I think I was five, maybe six. And my dad wanted to teach me how to body surf. Okay, I'm in. So this is how he teaches me how to body surf. We get in the ocean, and he's like, takes my little body. The waves come in. Go. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Just go. I got nailed by the, I remember getting nailed so hard. Like I could feel myself like a, you know, when a seal is being killed by a shark and you see him like flipping up in the air. That's yep. the memory I have. Like little Megan flipping up in the air. I inhaled so much water. I, I get pulled to shore. My mom's at shore and I'm like completely like bedraggled, wet sand all over me coughing. And I'm like, I'm going to go do it again. Okay. <laughs> and I did. And I went back in the ocean and, and did it again. And you know, fast forward, one of the things that my dad taught me was if you're in the ocean, and this is very 80s way of teaching your kid things, but if you're in the ocean and something happens to you, you just relax. You will eventually float. But if you fight it or you get caught in a riptide, you're going to die. Right. right. Okay. And and that's, I guess, essentially why he just th literally threw me into the surf in Ocean City, Maryland. And when I was 16, we were out on Block Island and I was surfing. The I saw that I wasn't going to make a wave, so I just went to duck under it like you always do. The cord got wrapped around my neck, yeah. and the cord first pulled me down to the sand. So I hit the I hit the bottom of the ocean, and then it pulled me in. How long this was, I have no idea. Maybe it was a minute. Maybe it was two minutes. And when it first pulled me under, I actually started to fight. Like I started to swim and try to get up, and I knew I couldn't get up. And I heard my dad's voice in my head, just relax. You will eventually come up. So I literally just turned into a rag doll. And with the cord around my neck, the surf pulled me, you know, pulled me to shore. And I got, I was really shaken, but it saved, it definitely saved my life yeah. in that instance. And then for the rest of the vacation, I had cord marks around my neck and I looked like I tried to hang myself. I, I had the, the bruises. I, it was... It was pretty bad, but I got back on and just went right back out in the water. That's what you do. You know? What else are you going to do? Just keep swimming. <laughs> literally, literally just, just keep swimming and relax. And I've been in a couple situations where I've gotten caught in riptides and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's really scary because um, you're getting pulled farther out. And one time I was getting pulled into this pier and it was not going to be good, but I was like, well, Worst case scenario, I'll just hold on to the pier, you know, and pulled me way, way oh. far out. This was in the Outer Banks. Pulled me oh. way far out. It the the surf switched enough that I was able to like swim into the shore oh. sideways. The idea of holding onto a pier with all the barnacle on there. Ugh. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah, and I was afraid I would get pushed up against it, get stuck underneath it, you know, get oh yeah. That was uh that was pretty ugly. But being taught like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I heard his voice in my head when, when I was being held underwater with that thing wrapped around my neck. I think, I think, relax. 
I think anyone that's comfortable, like in the water, un, like has that feeling. So like I, I grew up swimming competitively, and we went out, and I remember we were at Mesquite Beach. I was like ten years old, and I got caught uh, under an undertow, and I was like, and I was like underwater at like a very young age for like a minute, like just bouncing mm-hmm. and just like, and I'm like, just it'll eventually like stop and I'll be able to like pop mm-hmm. up and like, it'll be okay. Right. And it, but it's like, it's a weird feeling to like have that comfort when it's like, mm-hmm. what is it probably a terrifying situation? It's, but just being able to relax into the terror yeah. is, is what saves you. Cause if you fight it, you will drown. Well, yeah, you will eventually pop back up. It may be like five minutes, but at some point you're going to pop back yeah. up. It's, it's going to, it's going to ease up, but yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah. Fun vacations, fun kid vacations. Good times. <laughs> good, times. good times. Good times. Battle, battle, battlefield reenactments. Awesome. Yeah. No, um, he, he never, he never did the reenactment. So thank, thank God for, thank God for small miracles. <laughs> but, but I do know a lot about um, various wars and specifically the, the civil war more than I probably should know. So. Awesome. Awesome. Little, little known facts about Megan, civil war. Yeah. Buff Megan. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, I am hoping, I am hoping to start surfing. Um, I think I could stand up paddleboard now. Um, I was thinking about that. I, it's funny. I could stand up paddleboard, but I don't know that I could walk with my paddleboard out to the water. Cause you know, you yeah. park and then it's quite a, maybe I'd be able to, have know, you, but. have you, have you spun on a bike at all? Like just like with no, oh, yeah, every day. Right oh yeah. So yeah, so no, can... I'm working every single day, every single day I'm working out. So every single day is, um, cycling, um, strength training and a lot of stretching. And then I have my PT. Yeah. All mixed in. So would the would it be the most ironic thing if like the thing that you can do to get out in the woods is bike riding after after all is said and done? Well, that's that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years because right. I didn't really run competitively. So I started I, I you know have a number of bikes, but recently I got a gravel bike within the past couple of years. So I've been doing a lot of a lot of that kind of riding. Um and I noticed like, huh, I'm pretty okay at this. I'm very good at climbing hills. Um, I'm also a really good, what I call diesel sprinter. Um, and by diesel sprinter, I mean, I ran middle distance my whole life. So I have some speed, um, and a little bit of natural endurance. And when we were, when I was doing these races, um, you know, I'd see people start, you know, just start spinning up these giant hills. You know, you put your bike in the low gear and you're spinning the tire, you know, spinning your pedals just to keep the tires moving. But I, I just stood up on the pedals and I just dig in. And yeah. for some reason I can do that. And I never knew I actually had that ability. Like I did triathlons for years. Uh, and I felt like I just was never a natural cyclist. And I always felt like I was losing time you know, losing time on the bike, but when you do it enough, uh, and you can't run, I was like, well, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually pretty good at this. So, so yeah, so I'm riding every day. Um, I'm just to the point, I think this week I started standing up on the pedals. 
Um, I stand up on my, my right leg is so weak. It's, I, I, I should, I should take a picture. I mean, I'm very, very thin right now. Um, but when you look at my right leg, it's so atrophied that like there's, there's just no muscle tone, you know, compared to the, compared to the left side. So it's a really weird sensation. Um, and I have to, I put a little bit more weight in my arms just to mitigate, you know, mitigate the, the weight on my legs. But yeah, yeah, so every day, every day I'm writing. But that's like, that's the irony, right? The whole situation was caused by a bicycle crash. And now Mm -hmm. that's like, that's the one thing that's like, and I swore, I swore that I would never get on a bicycle again. Yeah, I did. And I was adamant about it. But also the the really important piece about that is I had massive PTSD from for sure, not from the crash, but what I endured while they saved my life. Mm -hmm. It was is pretty bad. Um, I'm grateful that they saved my life. Don't don't get me wrong. It's I had to really do a lot of work. Um, a lot of work on that PTSD. And then finally it started to subside. And then when I realized I had the window, I was like, you know, I had to buy a new bike. My bike, my, that bike was destroyed. I was not safe enough to get on a road bike yet. Like it. So I got a, like a mid fatty, um, mountain bike. And I was like, okay. So I was riding that around very, very safe. Felt okay. And then I started taking it on trails that felt okay. And and I was like, okay, it's, it's, you know, it's probably another year. I was like, it's time for me to get a road bike. And I was <clears throat> shopping for shopping for road bikes. And in this area that I'm in is very rural. Um, sometimes there aren't shoulders on the road and everyone kept saying to me, get a gravel bike. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to race cyclocross. I'm not into that. I just want to get a, I just want to get a road bike. And I was pretty stubborn, but after like a half a dozen people, it's like, okay, I'll test drive. I'll test drive one. And it's been great because I can ride them on the road. When traffic gets sketchy, I can just pop off the road, literally just, you know, just hop off the pavement and I'm riding in the dirt. You know, it's, it's weird. Even road bikes nowadays, like the tires are getting fatter and fatter. It's like one of the reasons like mm -hmm. they went away from caliper brakes and have disc brakes on road bikes now Mm -hmm. because the tires are like fatter. It's, it's everything is like, I still, should I ever get to the point where I'm racing triathlons? I would buy, I would buy another road bike. And frankly, if, if I had a huge influx of money just laying in my lap right now, I'd go buy, I'd go buy another road bike. Um, cause you can't have yeah. how many, I have a lot of bikes right now, but <laughs> I do have a road bike. I should be clear. I do have a road bike, but the road bike stays in my basement and it's in my Zwift system. Yeah. So it's only used, it's only used for that. I, I, I don't feel it's too much work to put a bike in and out of a Zwift system. Um, it, it, you know, cause you gotta, you gotta calibrate it and it's gotta be lined up. Right. So I, yeah, I just need another bike. Always. It's, uh, fucking bikes are expensive. They like, so I have a, a, a fucking pretty decent mountain bike and I, I sucks like skill wise. I'm so bad at mountain biking. Um, it just it's, takes time. You gotta, you just, gotta just give it's, yourself patience. It's, it's so awesome. But like, I'll go mountain biking and like ride like the local trails around here. And some some of them are pretty popular and pretty like heavily trafficked. Um, and I'll like, and I'll be out riding, and I have like my like skill level is just not as good as like a lot of these guys. And so sometimes they'll pass me and stuff like that. But they like get like somewhere and they're like fucking shot. 
And I'm just like, oh, I can just keep going. Like, because their endurance isn't good. Their skill is when, good, but their endurance is like garbage. When I was when I was racing um, a few years ago on the mountain bike, I went into racing. And so this was like, you know, off-road triathlons and adventure races and stuff like that. I knew I was, a, I said, I'm a, I'm not a good cyclist. Yeah. However, I had two skills. One is if I had to pop off the bike, um, cause something got, got a little too hairy easily. I mean, I could just easily hop off the bike and put it on my shoulder and run with it. No, no problem doing that. Uh, and also I felt very comfortable falling. I knew how to fall. I knew how to just kind of tuck and roll so I didn't get hurt. I lost that in the crash. And I don't, I don't struggle with the PTSD that I had for, you know, quite a while. But I know what pavement tastes like. I know what it feels <clears> like, you know, to, to break your hips and your back and your shoulder and, you know, turn into Humpty Dumpty. So I, I don't have that. I don't have the ability to ride aggressively like I used to. It doesn't mean I won't be good. It just means that level. Because if you're riding or even if you're running down a technical trail, if you are fearing falling, what's going to happen? You fall. You should, yep, right? for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's the first well, thing. Like, it's the first thing that happens. You just can't be that tense. Yeah. It's even, it's even, so, I mean. Right. Mountain biking, like, don't look at the fucking object that you're trying to avoid because that's exactly what you're going for. Same concept. Right. Yeah. But I and, you know, maybe it's only been you know, it's only been five years in that sense. So maybe in 10 years that will come back, because, again, I said I wasn't ever going to touch a bike. And I remember after 10 years, you're going to be 100 years old, Megan. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) After after when I started physical therapy, for my, you know, after the cycling crash for my hips and back and stuff, they would, the PT wanted me to warm up on the stationary bike. And I did it one day. I still remember it was like seven minutes and 32 seconds. That's how I freaking knuckled through. And then I got off and I looked at her. I said, never again. I said, I'm not getting on that bike ever again. It is too, it, it, it was too much. It was too much. And yes, even the stationary bike kind of freaked me out. It's like, that's, that's I, not ever going to happen again. I remember you were saying that back then. Yeah. I mean, but it's when, when recovery from PTSD, I'm not a big fan of talk therapy for, for PTSD. There's a number of different things that, that you can do, um, whether it's um, TAT, which involves acupressure points, or EMDR, which involves sound and tapping, you need to scoot around and heal the physiological processes that are happening with PTSD, then address the emotional trauma. But you can't sit there, in my opinion, and address emotional trauma when you have a physiological process that's overwhelming everything. Right. You you have to. I had to learn had to learn how to just retrain my nervous system. Like I am not, I'm not in a bike crash. That's, that's not what's happening. It, you know, took, it took a while. It took a lot of work, but you know, now it's fine. I just, again, I don't know that I'll ever ride that aggressively again. Um, so, but I don't, I don't know. I don't need to running. I mean, riding a bike was never, it's not like running, like running, I know my talent and I know what I can do with that. So I feel, you know, I always feel a huge drive to, to do well, perform better with cycling. I, it's almost like, almost like open water swimming, right? I go into it going, 
I'm not really that good at this, so I'm not going to, I don't need to try hard. I'm just going to go out and have fun, which is very unusual for me. And I actually do okay. Like I, I don't see myself winning any, you know, swimming races, but I can hold my own. I can swim quite a, you know, quite a long distance may take me forever. Probably have shitty form. At least that's what Sarah tells me. Sarah's like, you need to do blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> she's right. She's, you know, she's absolutely right in what she sees. Um, I don't know. I just swim. And when I get tired, um, I'll float on my back for a few minutes, take a break, look around and start swimming again. This didn't, it doesn't feel as intimidating as like when I run, I want to run. Right. Word. I think we're like yeah. at an hour and a half of chit chat. That we are. I yep. don't think anyone wants that. to listen to us talk any longer. <laughs> La- could you could you take us out with that Chewbacca? Well, we're gonna we're gonna listen to we're gonna listen to music on the way out. But how about the Chewbacca sound? Could you just do that? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and you can make your ringtone. I'm making my ringtone. So when you call me. It sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily, uh, our, our I'm taking us out with a short song today, right? So it's a, it's a punk song by the band Get Dead. Um, it's called Disruption. It starts off with, like, um, a pretty, like, pure rock kind of sound, but, like, mellow. And then it cuts into a uh, ska punk uh, track with, like, um, very fast cadence speech it's they're a cool band it was it came the album came out i think in 2020 or 2021 uh, it was like the punk rock album of the year um they're they're just cool little cool band from from california uh hope you like it it's get dead disruption all right we'll give it a listen um in the meantime if you feel like it if you want to reach out if you have any comments anything you want us to know something that resonated with you something that didn't resonate um, let us know. Um, we're all over social media. You can find us on our website. And if you don't feel like, um, don't feel like it, then don't just listen and, uh, hope to hear you. Hope to hear you next time. And let's, uh, let's listen to get dead. Cats are still back at the starting gate waiting on someone to say it's okay hard to run a race when you don't even have your laces on. Pause for a second. Look at the bees basking in radiation. These nerds deserve to step off a curb and meet metal more impatient. I'm sorry, my bad. Sometimes I just spaz. Get lost in my head and start latching out like a belt and a stepdad. Some scars you can see, but others you can't. The deeper the darker poison eagle water, not one of us ever really took a chance.
bag of powder just to keep it raw. Mama keeps a lookout for the whiskey shots of Johnny Law. To all my hooligans in this polluted room, my friend, the time has finally come to show a matter of some truth and Drop the function.